This is Wessler Media. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. Hey, welcome to Your Next Step. It's a great day, isn't it? God is so good. I'm excited I get to be with you. I want to encourage you in your faith. You know, here at the church next door, every day, we just want to challenge you to grow in Christ Jesus, to love God. You know, I believe that following Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. And the reason that we have this radio broadcast slash podcast is to encourage you in your faith I want to challenge you to subscribe and invite a friend to listen in. And hey, if you're free this weekend, join me at the church next door. So right now we're talking about fantasy world. We've been looking at this passage in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says, Don't let the philosophies of this world take your faith captive. See, there's a challenge that you and I have to deal with, is that we have to evaluate our heart every day. We can't allow just the materialism of this world, the physical nature of this world, and how it seems so important. No, no. The Word of God is more important. And and God, if you and I will read His Word, if we'll spend time with Him, we'll begin to see that the spiritual realm is actually elevated. It's right. It's elevated above the things of this world. That's what we're going to dive in today. We're going to challenge you to look at your heart and to know where it is with regard to God and the things of this world. I'm Pastor Doyle. I want to encourage you. Stay with me. If you, however, have not gone through the waters of baptism, maybe your parents did what my parents did. They were good people, but they were not necessarily God lovers at that time. They presented me in church to be baptized. I was baptized. You need to know it was compulsory. I had no choice in the matter. I was a baby. Later in life, I said, I want to do this for me. I want to do this for God. I want to do this because I want to make sure that I always remember that there's a time and there's a space where I set apart the old nature and the new nature, that God knows that I present myself as imperfect as it is, and I say, God, wash it away. And if you have not done that yet, why not? If you have questions the way Sam Houston did, then present yourself. It's why every week we have people at the altar to pray with you, to talk to you. They'll answer your questions. They'll do life with you. We are here because we want to help you get over those hurdles. That's what Sam Houston did, and that's why he could stick out his hand and say, today I give you my heart. I give you my hand, but I give my heart to Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. When will you do that if not? Now, make the decision. I'm encouraging you towards that. Because what Paul says is when you cross that, when you take that plunge, when you take that move, it forever changes your approach to God. The physical impacts the spiritual. In Psalm chapter 92, it says, You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. 
My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. When I think of my baptism, I think of that victory in my life spiritually. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of leaven, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Can I have an amen? They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. See, God invites you and I to give ourselves completely to him, and he will give us victory. God has defeated our enemies, and we've given him our lives, and that's what we do. It's why we come. It's why we gather online and in person to worship God, to set apart a place in our lives so that we would know, God, we are not here. We, We are not here ungrateful. We are here grateful and glad. We worship you. See, you and I live a life because he's given us life. And we want to honor him with that. I think one of the most powerful things you and I can do as Christ followers is imitation. Imitate Jesus. Learn to be as kind as Jesus was. You know, they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Well, just flatter Jesus. Do everything you can to be kind to as many people as possible. Do everything you can to, 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 to pour into other people, to value them, to love them, to care for them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is, is writing the church. He's talking to them about an offering that they had told him about that they would participate in. And he, he's just encouraging them in this because they're imitating Christ Jesus in this offering. Listen to what he has to say to them. He says, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, this giving money to help God's people. For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Acacia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. I mean, what he's saying is that, guys, I want you to know, you guys promised an offering and you've been giving that offering and collecting that offering. And I'm coming back. I'm sending some guys to get it. But I want you to know the blessing it's been to other people. It's why today Jennifer talked about, I want you to know about the blessing that you've already created in people's lives. That's why we talk about that. You're impacting Africa. You're impacting people right now in, in Belarus. And you're impacting people in, in all the parts of the globe because of our, our love and your generosity and because and of Christ Jesus, okay? I'm reminded of a story since Jennifer mentioned Evans. You know, Evans and Mellon had three children. They had two sons and a daughter. When their daughter was 12, her name is Tabitha, Tabitha. She had an accident. And they took her to the hospital, but unfortunately it was too traumatic for her body. They prayed for her. They believe in miracles, okay? As you and I do. But she went on to be with the Lord. And to this day, Mellon gets up on most Sundays and goes to the hospital and walks to the children's ward and prays for kids. She has some amazing testimonies. One boy that was crippled was healed immediately and got up. She has seen lives transformed. She said, you know, I I didn't really, she didn't have a, a place for those people in her life prior to her daughter going through that situation. It's changed her life. She goes there. And I listened to Evans. He said, it was a really hard time in our life. It was a low time in our life. To, to lose your child is just unbelievable grief. And in the midst of that grief, as they prayed about it and they contemplated, they felt like God said, 
for them to take a step of faith. And they felt like what God said is the church, what they need most is a stable a stable means of electricity because electricity would just shut down in the middle of whatever they had. And so they went and bought a generator with their own money. They brought it to church on Sunday morning and they placed it down front and they gave it as a testimony to the people that they were trusting God despite losing their daughter. They celebrated their daughter's life and her entrance into heaven with an offering. And they said it transformed their life. See, there is a connection between the physical and the material world and the love that you and I have for it and our love for God. And we want our love for God to be greater than our love for the material things. That's why we bring offerings. That's why we give our time. That's why we, we, we put our energy and our effort into worshiping God with our talents. That's part of who we are now that God has set us free. And, and that's what Paul is calling them to. Verse 3. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said to you, as I said you will be. Verse 8. I skipped down a little bit to save time. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will bound in every good work. What Paul is saying is that I'm sending these brothers, they're going to collect this offering to you, but know this in advance. The moment you give, Don't worry about it because God will take care of you. God is going to provide everything you need abundantly. And now, now that's important because you and I live in a materialistic world and we've actually had people under the name of Christ Jesus who've claimed that what God really wanted for you to do is to prosper. I think that's a misinterpretation of the abundance of God. I do believe that God wants you to do well. And I'm not opposed to the word prosper. I'm not opposed to you having abundantly more. But it's not for opulence sake. It's not for self-gratification. It's not for you to know that you are more important than other people because you have a lot of wealth. Because some people have misinterpreted that way. They've interpreted that, that my wealth in somehow indicates that I am better. No. Your wealth indicates that God trusts you. See, the abundance, what what he says here is that God, if you give to God, he's going to give you abundance. Why? Why does God give you abundance? Because God wants you to know that he will resupply your needs. It's to teach you to trust in God. We give and God resupplies our resources abundantly. So God doesn't just give you back when you spend $10. He gives you back more than 10. He gives you a little bit more. So if you go into some restaurant and you buy one of the meals on the listing, if you have $10 and 95% of those meals are less than $10, you have an abundance, don't you? You have more than enough to buy that meal. You have a little bit left over. God is telling you in the extra that he's covering you so that you can know when I give God more, he's going to give me more than enough so that I can take care of other people. You say, well, how do you know it's to take care of other people? That's what it says right there. The abundance is for the good work. That's what Paul said. God gives you more than enough so that you can give to the kingdom of God and more people will be helped. So the gospel will advance. So that the good news and the hope of God. So... In this trusting, we begin to see how God provides for our needs. The challenge is, how do I change my heart? How do I change my heart for the kingdom of God? In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is talking about whether or not you and I can be trusted. 
He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? See, God uses your material possessions to test your heart. God allows you to evaluate your own heart. Do you love the material things or do you love God? And so when you and I, when we look at our bank accounts, it begins to give us a story of our heart. It gives us like a barometer or a thermostat. I say thermostat because not only does a thermostat tell you your temperature, but you can adjust it, can't you? You can adjust the temperature. How? Well, I can look at my bank account and say, you know, I haven't been giving as much as I would like to, to really honor God. So I'm going to give more. You can make an adjustment in your heart towards God. Many of you may know um, Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans of the Urban Alternative. I love this phrase from him. Pastor Evans, he says, have a slide. Yeah. In God's economy, you will be more blessed if you're if you're a spiritual conduit rather than a spiritual cul-de-sac. Don't you love that? See, are you a conduit? I, I remember as a, as a young man watching this work out in my family's life, and it transformed my life. We had these friends. They had been, they had been missionaries. They'd been serving the Lord in the Middle East, and then trouble came, and they had to pull out of where they were, and, and, and they, they moved to England, and then for a while they were in England, and then they, they transformed to, to Africa and Kenya to, to lead and teach at a Bible school there. And then after years of serving God there, they, they came to, to Canada and then the United States. And, and, and we got to, to kind of get to know them in this process. And I remember when they finally kind of settled into a home here in the States and they were visiting us. And my mom said to the wife, she said, I would like to take you shopping. We as a family want to give you a gift. And she said, what's that? She said, well, we want to get you a piece of furniture. We feel like God wanted us to provide you a piece of furniture for your home. And tears began to stream down her face. She said, you know, I, I, I left everything behind, all my family's heirlooms and possessions when I moved to the Middle East the first time. I've lived basically out of a, a few bags my entire life. The things that we do have in the home that we have now are things that people donated that were used and they were old and worn and they were given to us secondhand. And the thought of having a new piece of furniture, I'd love that. My mom walked around the, the showroom floor with this lady. She said, anything you want, you pick it. It's yours. We'll take care of it. She picked this particular high boy. It was beautiful. She said, really, this isn't too much? My mom said, no. For you, anything in the store. I see, what I learned from that is such a deep, deep, deep. What that woman learned from that is the promise when she walked away from everything she had for the kingdom of God, he was faithful. And what I learned is I get to be part of his faithfulness in the life of other people. You see, when you and I give, when you and I participate in this, it changes our heart. But you need to know it changes other people's hearts too. It transforms their life because they find out that the kingdom of God truly is as generous as Jesus. 
that the God's people are a reflection of him, that they are a powerful testimony of the love and the goodness of a good God. That's what Jesus is saying here. God will evaluate us. Can he trust us? Can he trust us with the wealth that we have? You remember the first time your parents gave you the keys to the car to take it out? You were excited. You jumped in the car and you drove across town. They went inside and prayed. But they had an expectation, didn't they? They expected that you would return the car home well, that you would be safe. There would be at least some gas in the tank, and it wouldn't be filthy on the inside. That's what stewardship is, isn't it? When God gives you something, you have a responsibility to to manage it well, to use it well, to honor him, to honor the gift. And that's the way you and I approach this. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to. In 1 John 2.15, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. What's he talking about? He's talking about the same thing that Paul is saying to the Colossians. He's saying, don't fall in love with this world. Don't let materialism grab a hold of you. Materialism is just focused on physical matter. And, and it's, 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 it's just a fundamental reality of life. Don't get caught up in that. It's, it's not as important as it appears. God is more important. God invites you and I to trust him. So when you and I, when we get an overview, when, we get, when you step back and you start reading through scripture, there's some, so there's some basic big points that God is always making. Especially in the New Testament, you'll see this. Number one, the reason we give, it's about lordship. When you and I give, we worship God and we're saying, God, you are the leader of my life. I'm trusting you for everything I have. It's about discipleship. It's like, God, I don't understand how this could work. I don't know how I can give and you can give it back to me and there'd be more than enough because this scares me to death. Can I tell you, I've seen it over and over and over and over again. When you honor God, when you take God's place, he blesses you. I've watched, I've watched couples that have, that have struggled. They, they started out on the wrong foot and they said, you know, we're Christ followers now. We need to get married. We've lived together for years, and that was not honoring God. And they step up and they say, we want to honor God. Will you help us get married? We're like, yay, God, we're for you. See what I'm saying? I've watched people who said, you know, I've gone to church for years, and, and God, God knows I should have given, and I didn't, and now I'm going to start to give. And they say, how do I do that? And I say, well, start with the best you can. They say, yeah, but I'm not tithing. I say, well, if you can tithe, tithe. Take 10%. Take a percentage. But if you can't, trust God. See if he's not faithful. And then I have other Christians say, well, why would you say that to them? Why wouldn't you tell them to start with a tithe? Listen, everybody starts where they're going to start, whether I tell them to or not. And the question is, will you begin the learning process of a disciple of worshiping God through giving? Stop waiting. It will not get better. Worship through stewardship. Just managing your money every day. If no one has ever taught you the 10-10-80 principle, I'm giving it to you right now. 10-10-80, you can remember that. Worship God. Give 10% of your income to God. 
save 10% of your income, and learn to enjoy the 80%. That's what God wants you to do. When someone finally told me that, I was like, wow, that's easy to figure out. And, and so 10-10-80 was, was the cure for my stewardship as a young Christ follower. And then the last is just worship. When you and I bring an offering, it's to glorify God. You may say, but pastor, I don't know how to make that happen. It frightens me. Let me give you the word of Jesus. Listen to Jesus on this matter. It's so powerful to me. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says that if you want your heart to go somewhere, if you want your heart to go towards heaven, give towards heaven. Spend the time of your life towards heaven. Serve God. Honor God. And as you do that, your heart will change. The things that you will invest in will draw your heart in. In this season, I want to challenge you. We're headed towards Easter, the celebration of Jesus' resurrection. Begin to give your heart to him in a greater way. Begin to invite people towards the kingdom of God. Tell them it's time to shake things up. It's time to get life going again. It's time to worship God. Let's stand up. And I want to give you a blessing. But I also want to pray for the people that are struggling right now. That are hearing bombs from their homes. Who are hiding in basements and other places, all right? Father, we come before you today and we we just want to acknowledge, God, we want to live for you. We want to be identified with you. It's why we've shown up. So we ask you to bless us. We ask you to teach us, help us to train our hearts and our minds to follow you. But God, we would be remiss if we didn't pray for the people that are suffering right now. And God we, we, God, we pray that you would show up. Would you cause your believers to be a light in that moment? Lord, help us to use this, this transformative time to help our neighbors, to love others, and to proclaim your goodness despite the hatred, the selfishness, the greed of this world. God, in the midst of this, Please show us how to respond. Show us how to love the people, how to help them. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the believers said, amen. Join us for a celebration this Easter at The Church Next Door. We would love to have you there. Find out more at thechurchnextdoor.org. That's thechurchnextdoor.org. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for The Church Next Door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. 
When we gather together like this every day, I think it's really important that we we think about how are we inviting God into this situation. So every day, I want to take a little bit of a moment to pray, to ask God to move in our world. So right now, let's bow our heads and pray for our faith to increase. Father, we have a confession today. We have a confession, and that fa- the confession is... I'll start over. Father, we, we have a confession to make today. We, we have a confession that we want to apologize because we haven't always understood faith. We, we know that, that when Jesus taught about faith, he, he compared it to a mustard seed, and he said it would grow into a bush that, that, that would become like a tree and, and birds could live in it. So you, you have an expectation that our faith would be powerful enough to sustain a life, even if it's a small life like a bird. And Jesus, you said that if we had faith, we could move mountains. And, and, and we have to be honest. We've kind of debated with you about whether or not that was a metaphor or what that meant. And yet you were challenging us to think more about our faith. Lord, we know that it is impossible to please you without faith. That's what it says in Hebrews. So today we humbly come and like the father who needed faith for his son to get deliverance, we say, help our unbelief. We say no to all our doubts today, and we say, increase our faith. Take the ways that we have been generous. Take the ways the way we have prayed. Take the ways that we have served you and cause them to be fruitful and multiply. Show us what we need to do today so that our faith might grow, that our doubts might be pruned, and that we might become the followers you intended us to be. Lord, we want to be a people of faith. You said that we would do greater things than you because of what you've given us. So give us more of your Holy Spirit. But Lord, give us the gift of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, that was so good. Didn't you enjoy that prayer? Well, would you like more help learning to pray? Then go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email and we'll give you our free prayer guide. It's an ebook. You can download it. You'll have it right there. And you can join us daily as we learn to pray. We ask God for great things. You know, it will change your life to pray daily. And we need your help. We need your support, your prayer support. So give us your email today at yournextstepnow.com. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. Join us for a celebration this Easter at the church next door. Worship, fellowship, baptisms, a message of hope and joy and victory from our lead pastor, Doyle Jackson. This year, Easter's on April the 9th, but we'll have services on the 8th and the 9th. Come at 5 p.m. on the 8th 
or Sunday morning at 9.20 or 11. So we would love to have you there. Find out more at thechurchnextdoor.org. That's thechurchnextdoor.org. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.